0: Dad bod, rap pod. We are back. This is episode 124. Unlike some podcasts, we do not have uh, numbering schemes. This is literally the 124th time that we've sat down to record this shit. Uh, my name is Demol Carter, aka Dim1. I am joined in the temple of Zoom uh, by Mr. Nate LeBlanc. Salt and Pepper's here.
1: <laughs> salt and pepper's here it's in my beard <laughs> how's it going uh, oh you know it's okay thanks for asking
0: yeah monday bro it really recording, is recording yeah. on a monday um and also with us on the line broadcasting live from the depths of santa clara we have mr david ma how's it going
2: hey guys good to be here second day of summer uh, millionth day of pandemic so
0: yeah, pretty much <laughs> <laughs> I've lost. That's count. right.
2: Episode Germ- 124. Here we go.
0: 124, baby. We have a dope interview um lined up for you guys in just a little bit with Jake One, who is a super cool cat. You guys are gonna really enjoy this interview. Um also, we have uh, a guest that's going to be joining us at any minute. This is going to be like some uh, threes company shit where people will just fall through <laughs> like all the time, like every He's five minutes. Pop
1: in,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. That's so funny.
1: we I hadn't thought of it like that.
0: We're going to have a uh, Mr. Furley's going to pop in, uh, <laughs> and do a little interview with us. Uh, no, we'll have a uh, Gary Suarez, uh, freelance writer, music journalist, is going to join us to kind of chop it up about. Um, all the current events going on in the world of hip hop but we are here right now like david said the second day of summer if i could place a bet that we will be back on strong shelter in place by like october november i would i would put money on that i would put a good deal of money on that right now live sooner. i say live you're saying sooner you're going sooner. september we we're just pretending it's over Right,
2: yeah. we we're just talking about nothing changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. if yeah. anything, it's gotten a little bit worse.
1: That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's are out. The right. only reason it was down is
0: we were inside. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been very interesting to see um, folks. Yeah, just kind of pick up as if nothing happened. I'm I'm definitely of two minds on it. The expectation that people were going to just stay in their houses forever, um, and and not go out, and like not everybody can do that. Number one, everybody's living situation is different. Uh, but the fact that you thought the bars and the club thing was not going to come back like right. more than anything, people want to drink and interact. And like these folks are are willing to to risk on a regular night. They're ready to risk their lives. So if we have ever been to Trust Gringos. So <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's not surprising, but I'm like, yeah, enjoy your summer because you, the fall you're going to be we're going right. to be right back. Although this changes nothing for us in this space. Right. I, I, was,
1: I don't know if you guys saw, I was uh, having a Twitter conversation with someone. It really annoys me that the Zoom episodes, now that we've got it locked, actually sound better than when I'm, like, live and it, twiddling all these knobs I don't know how to use. Oh, man. Uh, uh, it's louder, and it actually mixes it in the software, so it's, they're, they're, their ears are way better than mine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're leveraging new technology to do what we, what we I do I wonder here. if we're
1: going to do the interviews this way when we're live again. You know what I mean? Like, would that make sense? Well, the up a little bit, and everybody's learned how to use it. I think that would be
2: good, um, as long as they're willing to do so. Most people just don't want to, but I know that um, for uh, Heat Rocks, that they're always like, "Yo, we got, we have to do it face to face, Zoom, or um, what was it, What was the thing before? Skype, Skype, Skype. Yeah. yeah. So, and and it does really help with obviously the the timing of the conversation. So.
0: That's true. Our our jail phone interviews um, def- definitely stepped up uh, because of I think Zoom and being able to see folks that we can see and uh, kind of interact in that space. Um, also, I feel like I got to put on a shirt and kind of have my hair together, <laughs> and I feel like when I do that, I show up better. You know what I mean? Like I, the yes, knowledge agreed. that I will be seen. Um, yeah. yeah. So actually um, funny
1: it's like it's like literally going to be laundry day tomorrow this is my last t-shirt it's like an extra sh- medium, uh hip-hop 45 shirt that I actually don't even wear anymore I'm just like okay this is the bottom of the drawer
0: Nate, Nate rocking the Beanie Man special uh, uh, which we which we totally appreciate um, it's been a, an interesting week um, while we were while we were recording um, our episode last week for 123 A gentleman by the name of Jermaine something or other uh, (laughs) recorded a a song called a recording release a release a song called Snow on the Bluff, um, which was apparently um, a taking a shot at uh, a rapper who we all like a whole lot for a a number of reasons. No name, Uh, and there was a kind of an attendant firestorm on the internet around that, and and kind of. You know, I saw multiple kind of think pieces about it and things um, almost ancient history, except for the fact that I saw today No Name has come out and said she wish she hadn't replied. to that. Right.
2: Her reply about her song was even greater. It, it even lifted it up more it was like she was like, yo, you know, that was that was sort of a, um, a gut reaction. And maybe I shouldn't have taken um, the focus away from the movement and stuff. And yeah, it was just like, fuck, you won again. Yeah, yeah,
0: super, <laughs> super, super smart. I, I thought her, well, she said, I guess her statement was, I, I let my ego get the best of me. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm like, you're a rapper. We we kind of, your ego was supposed to get the best of you. Like that's the right, kind of right. whole bit, but she's, she's towing this interesting line right now with being a, uh, I don't want to, an activist kind of celebrity person who's trying right. to do the right thing in the moment. So yeah, a leader. Um, a leader, yeah, trying to get out there and lead. Um, On the line, I believe, we have uh, our guest for this portion of the episode. Um, I'm going to do an intro and hope that uh, he's actually on the line. Uh, (laughs) We have on the line, in the tip of the Zoom, uh, Gary Suarez, who is a freelance hip-hop writer. Um, You might have saw his stuff in Forbes. He also has a hip-hop newsletter called Cabbage's. And be talking a gang of shit on Twitter. I enjoy. (laughs) I enjoy following his account. How's it going, man? Yo, there he is.
3: How's it going? How's it going, fellas? What's going on? (laughs) Good.
2: Enjoying your
1: joining us from
2: fine dining.
3: Yeah, Yeah. fine (laughs) dining establishment. (laughs) (laughs) You know. The service in here is terrible, but you know it's just phase two here in New York.
0: So. I was You're like, he's he's calling us from the Irishman. Like, what's what's, what's happening in there? Exactly, visual, visual jokes.
3: Well, um, some. It's really helpful. It's very, I'm glad that we, we should keep all the conversation very visually focused because I assume this is an all audio podcast. Absolutely. Definitely is. And yes. I
1: just did a five minute bit about the shirt I'm wearing. So it's all, it's all on brand.
0: You guys
3: understand the medium. I respect
0: that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us here in this conversation. We just kind of cracked the can open on the whole uh, uh, J. Cole um, no Name stuff. We saw today that No Name has come out and said she regrets her reply. You uh, were the center of some viral hotness that had nothing to do with Corona for your uh, for the tweet you had. Um, oh, for a
3: change, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, have you been getting assailed by J. Cole stands all weekend? What has that been like?
3: Well, they're not, as, uh, they're not as internet savvy as you think, uh, which is probably the first bit. Um, A lot fewer. The response to uh, the bookcase tweet, uh, yeah. which I think, first for context, I don't like to joke explain, but it was just uh, J. Cole fans be like, and it was basically a mock-up of a bookcase that once you look at the side, it was just a cardboard cutout.
0: Mm, mm.
3: More Visual- people, more people resonated with that. Again, we're gonna keep talking about visuals this whole, this whole fucking time. Like we're gonna talk about shirts, we're gonna talk about cases that you don't know exist. I assume we could just do hot links in the middle of this, just so people can like click off and, and yeah, send them go into the chat. Tweet. We'll just yeah, talk okay. about them. Absolutely. Maybe when you do the thread on this, it'll just like, here's the shirt he was wearing, and there we go. No, so yeah. So the response was very few overall J. Cole stands in terms of the angry. There are plenty who are like, I'm a fan and I think this is funny. Or I'm a fan and I don't agree with this, but fine. And then many more people who are just like, this is hysterical. <laughs> uh, the Sad case is when there were people who uh, would openly say, I don't get it. And that just sort Ooh, of adds the to... Point. Yeah, okay, it's like okay, then you're definitely a Jay Cole fan, right? You don't get it. All right, that's all right. I love it when oh. people may
2: make my point for me.
3: Oh my this goodness! Is, it's it felt like parody to like, like, am I being punked? Like, is somebody just like fucking with me? <laughs> I know, like, I know there's always like cultural barriers and stuff that goes through. So it's just like you know, humor is not universal as much as we want it to be. Like, we have a Western idea of what humor, is, but just j cole fans being kind of light yeah that's universal That's yeah. that's something we can all agree on we didn't <laughs>
1: weigh in really on the um the controversy around j cole and no name when it kicked off because we were recording our show right then with um arm and hammer and we just didn't really realize it had happened until in, in internet time we're now 10 years after that and in that <laughs> moment we were 10 seconds after it it would have been late to the joke but um, I never actually listened to the J Cole song. Did anyone on the call listen Smart. to the J Cole song?
0: I read I d- the transcript. I did. I did. <laughs> listen, I did. you
2: to it? I did. I did. Um, it, it typifies J Cole for me, which I I was barely awake by the end.
3: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I've listened uh, as well. I listened as well, and I think the criticism that has been levied at him, not just by me, but largely by Black women, was very legitimate as a result mm-hmm. of that, it was a pretty clear case of him targeting an artist far less powerful than him. Sure. Using the most powerful weapon he has, which is his music. Mm-hmm. If he had said something on Twitter had engaged her on a dialogue on there, I'm not saying I would have loved that because it still feels like what, what the fuck is this your place to say anything in this situation? I mean, I, but I guess you could make an argument for that but he chose to approach it the way rat beef works. And so that's part of what infuriated me about it was that he, he couched this in the familiar of rat beef
0: mm-hmm.
3: and then did this elaborate gaslighting mm-hmm. afterwards less than a day later that like, oh, well, I stand behind everything I said. Maybe I was right, maybe I was wrong. But I love no name right right it was, the, it was the it was such a dick move that I'm sure many of those who who criticized him, particularly women and black women, clearly saw right through Yeah. right sure. right
0: for 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 sure and it's it's such a weird target at this particular time. Um, it kind of takes me back to when Jay Z sold Kaepernick down the river, and mm. you're just kind of like of all people to to point your attention at and try to be like this person is in the wrong. No name stopped rapping to start a book club. <laughs> right. I'm like, Jay Cole, if you wanted to get educated, join the book club. Like she right. gave you a lane to to get up to speed on these issues. Mm-hmm. So it it was it was interesting. What did you think of No Name's response?
3: I thought her response was brilliant on so many levels. I mean, first, I am um, I don't want to say I'm a scholar of rap beef, but I am a student of rap beef. Okay. And I have rarely seen the case where somebody goes in such a surgical manner in such a short period of time Mm -hmm. for such a fire beat. Right. If you're going to come back at J. Cole, I don't know who produced that J. Cole original. I don't produce who produced that track. And no one's really ever gonna care who who produced that track. Right,
2: right. But
3: right. everybody knows Mad Lib produced <laughs> I know No Names response. Mad Lib as yeah. in yeah. Mad yeah. Lib. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's a this is it's like it's like it's it's fucking it's like inception or whatever the fuck tenet's gonna be about when it comes to uh, how you respond in these situations. I'm just gonna get the best beat maker alive <laughs> and he's gonna give me a minute sorry 69 seconds, seconds. of oh, yeah. his time to just let me whomp you it's beautiful
2: yeah it was it was really loved her response i mean love the track musically too i kind of I mean, it was kind of simplistic but i liked it as a song she sounded good on it the beat was it's good actually as well.
1: interesting because she doesn't have that many songs like she's got the kind of stuff she did as like No Name Gypsy she's got a little bit of stuff with Saba and those guys and then mm-hmm. she's got Telephone and Room 25 so she's yeah, just, right. like this will this will probably be the the most notoriety that she has had up until this point in her career. Though it is interesting when we've interviewed a lot of older heads, like I remember Prince Paul saying this and maybe Gift of Gab and a couple of others. When we asked what modern rappers they were into, a lot of them said no name. Mm -hmm. I think Telephone in particular really resonated with people. So I wonder if this is like actually really good for her is kind of a long way around for me to say that, but like, it's not, she's not just an activist, though she is a leader in that space. She's a fucking rapper and she wrapped her ass off. So it's pretty interesting, um, the way this is kind of going for her. I would say it's going great for her.
3: <laughs> I mean, I would count, I would count, and that while I think it's it for her reputation, I mean, her people who've come to her defense and those who have kind of come out and spoken uh, favorably of her, include some folks who you definitely want to have in your corner, mm-hmm. but like, look at how she's presenting this publicly. She retracted essentially the song or expressed that she felt bad about it, that she felt that she had been a distraction in the situation. And ultimately she's apologized for having done so. So while I've see I've heard that argument about how this could be good for her in the long run and be, you know, has be a, a, a quite momentous part occasion in her career, which I hope lasts a very long time. Um, it's also seems to be a particularly hard time for her. This isn't just like, you know, when, you know, Meek Mill went after Drake and got washed thoroughly. Right. It's like, right. No, it's just like, she's clearly devastated that the work she's been trying to do and the consensus she's been trying to build online with like minded people to bring in may not necessarily be in her corner. And whether Mm -hmm. that's true or not, that's how she Mm. feels. And I think that's Mm. a product of Cole's ridiculous effort of one attacking her in an unprovoked way, then gaslighting her about the whole thing. And then his fan base saying, well, it wasn't beef to begin with. So why is it not beef? Why does that mean that that what she did was not a diss track? That his wasn't a diss track and hers wasn't a diss track? They have that little respect for her as an artist and as a rapper, that that's how they feel. So I feel like it, it's a moment where he wins in the ugliest of ways. I hope that this leads to good things for her, but I can't in this moment see it that way because it seems like she's hurting. And that's not that's right. super
1: interesting and very empathetic of you. I, and I,
3: a rare thing for saying.
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> I am not I guess, uh, known for my yeah. empathy. <laughs> I didn't catch a lot of the apology stuff today. I just had a super busy day at work, but uh, yeah, super interesting. But um, let's, let's talk about cabbages. <laughs> um, you you have a newsletter um, that I look forward to reading every Sunday and you have a kind of um, an expansive view of what matters in modern rap. And uh, personally, I knew you for a couple of things, including MWE, which I want to talk about later, but I, I kind of, thought of you more as like um, an Urbano journalist I didn't know you you were such a hip-hop head so it's been refreshing to like see your take on things and sometimes it aligns pretty closely with ours Uh, and like we'll have a guest and you'll have them on cabbages either the same week or like a week later so it's been kind of cool in that way too but just please like for the benefit of the audience like tell people why a newsletter why now and what's up with it
3: I mean, so, and I apologize if you hear fireworks going on in the background, uh, because uh, this is this is Queens, and we got fireworks. <laughs> I um, believe it. Same. Okay, so you know. So, yeah. uh, basically, uh, I've been writing for a, a long time. I've been writing for about 20 years. Not necessarily writing for places that anybody read, but I've been writing for 20 years. Okay. And as a result, um, I've... I've seen a lot in this industry, and I've always done this from the from the perspective of a freelancer. I've never been a staff writer anywhere. You know, I've never worked in any of these horribly toxic environments that we're all hearing about right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I've always been on my own, and so for better or worse, that's developed certain skill sets in me. And as I watch this industry collapse in on itself, both by kind of vulture capitalism mm-hmm. that's crushing these these institutions terrible decision-making like believing about Facebook's uh, pivot to a video uh, approach, which is (laughs) for some reason they still don't fucking get it. Um, They're still doing it. So I've said to myself late last year, I said, I can't, I can't see a future for this even as a freelancer where I can rely on these outlets to maintain and exist and be a viable place for, Written journalism and criticism, and I'd been looking at the newsletter model, uh, and I'd also been looking at the podcast model, and I realized that I hate uh, I hate podcasts. Same. And I, <laughs> my main problem with pod, with podcasting, for my perspective, is like I would do a podcast tomorrow if I felt that I had an idea that was worth doing, mm. and I have yet to come up with an idea that I think is worth doing. So there's that. Okay. But a newsletter seemed way more interesting to me as a writer. And so I would say, here's all these, I get pitches from publicists as, you know, some of the biggest publicists out there as well as individuals who are just kind of hustling for their friends. And it's like, there's so much stuff I can't cover. There's so much stuff that I can't get paid to write about, but that Mm -hmm. I care about, that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I've spent a lot of time trying to do it. So that's a long way of getting to, a newsletter became a place where I could leverage my social media following and say, hey, you like what I write. Here's a way to read more about that and read about the stuff that I care about. Mm-hmm. And I'll give it to, I started out just once a week. We're up to twice a week now. Uh, and then there's a couple bonus posts for those who pay, but it's a free newsletter. And it just hits the inboxes on Sunday. And there's always three album recommendations and a throwback video and a Q&A with some artist. And, uh, and then I rant a little bit about something and it just mm-hmm. keeps it interesting for me. And it's good. It's good writing exercise. But uh, as the mm-hmm. response has been good, we got to uh, over a thousand subscribers in less than uh, six months, which is pretty good uh, by uh, whatever artificial standard I set for myself.
2: <laughs> Gary, um, what um, what projects are you working on that you're you know, excited about that's about to drop? I know journalists are always sitting on about five different projects that slowly leak out. Uh, what are you working on right now?
3: it's weird because like in the middle of a pandemic, there's just vastly less work. Right. And right. so I've been doing a few things here and there. The biggest thing that I'm working on right now, which I haven't announced. And uh, I assume that the millions of people who listen to your show will be excited. To hit, <laughs> um, I'm planning mm-hmm. on doing a special edition zine uh, for cabbages to oh. hopefully publish later this summer or early fall. That's going to be, I've done three pretty extensive interviews for it with three pretty amazing artists. Awesome. Um, and so like full length, like the, like feature length interviews. And so I'm working on that right now. And that's going to be a project I'm going to put out. I'll do a digital version and I'll probably do a limited print run version. And Cause I've always saw newsletters in the context of zines because. That's right. Exactly. Old, Cause I'm <laughs> an old man. And so I go, ah, zines. That's something I understand. Yeah. That's that's like a radio show. Like that's where my fucking brain goes. Same, same. Fake,
0: fake radio. Yeah. It's just like, (laughs)
3: it's it's great. It's great. You know? So I, I like, I liked that idea of a way of doing that. I feel like the readership of of the newsletter might be interested in something that's more than just kind of a a bite-sized thing you read on a Sunday, maybe something that you get in the mail and you get, you know, you're excited Mm -hmm. to, to have it and to hold it. Um, so I'm excited to to do that. I haven't announced it anywhere before here. So there's your Sick. world drop premiere. Your, drop world your. I'm uh, <laughs> assuming you guys have a soundboard or something where you just That's... like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, Thank you. That's a soundboard. Yes, That's of good. course. It's good.
1: Uh, we. I've always wanted to do a zine. Uh, we. I've tried to treat the podcast and the community that's formed around the podcast like I would a zine's audience. Like we sent everybody stickers last year. We did little t-shirts. Like I'm still, I'm still forming it, but maybe I'll steal some good ideas from you when you get your zine out. I like, I really like that idea. And like, I wasn't a super zine guy. Like I didn't collect them or anything, but I really like the photocopy aesthetic and the kind of like the idea of the zine um so that's that's super interesting i'm really looking forward to that um can we talk about mwe a little bit and would you mind telling the people what that is and they only have eight months to get ready for the next one
3: yeah you got time that's uh <laughs> that's, uh, that's uh, that time is there um it feels that although you know it depends on how much longer any of us are uh are in are in quarantine basically how long that that feels but mwe is a music writer exercise it's a hashtag uh Challenge that I've been doing on Twitter for I think thirty forty years now, and <laughs> I think it's closer to seven or eight. I don't really know offhand. It's been a while, but like it's been like seven years. And what it is, it's a um, it's a challenge that exists uh, in the month of February where I ask people to pick uh, to listen to one album a day for the month, uh, a different album each day that they've never heard before, mm. and write one tweet about it, basically writing about it It could be reviewing it, commenting about some aspect of it, whatever it is, just, it's a writing exercise. Uh, it's there for, if you want, if you're a professional music critic or you're an aspiring one, or you're just a music lover and that kind of democratization has been the, the key behind it because it happens during black history month. I've always encouraged everybody who participates to include black artists. I have seen some folks who actually go the full mile and make it uh, entirely uh, black artistry for their uh, for their picks, which I think is great. I keep for myself a running list of just what uh, of what I've uh, done, so I know like if I if I look at my list and I say, "Wow, there's no women on this list," then you, you're doing something wrong. You know, wow, yeah. I've only included you know uh, male artists, you know, and I'm not using nearly enough female artists, you know, things like that. So I, it's stuff for my personal stuff to keep me in check. But I've let people. I'm not policing what people choose. I'm just trying to get people to write about music. And that, and, and to engage with it in a different way. And so that's, that's yeah. the key. That's the key. And it's been a, it's been a, a fun thing to do. It's one of the few positive things I do online. And uh, <laughs> I think that, I think that people really respond to it and then they get Suckered into following me on Twitter when they realized, oh, oh, oh no. No, that's, yeah. we didn't sign up for this. It's like, I was just
0: reviewing Tori Amos. I, did, I didn't want to know about No Money Bail. No, it's, it's like, I'm like, I'm going to
3: tell you about cash bail, motherfucker. I'm going to tell you about defund the police. It's oh, like, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide that. And fuck J. Cole. And I'm going <laughs> to say all those things. And you're going to go, I just, I just wanted to hear about music.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is I found
1: it really instructive and it really helped me. I don't want to say get through a block because I still never finish anything, but it was cool to just do the discipline of listening to an album a day, whether I got to the tweet or not. I think I trailed this was 2 2 Februarys ago and I think I trailed off around the 18th. Um, as I'm sure a lot of people do I just couldn't keep up the pace but um, the I liked the idea of the thing you've never heard of and I was like it, not that you've never heard of the thing you've never heard and I was like I have all these preconceived notions about these records I need to actually listen to them mm-hmm. I was a record store guy so I heard a lot of music but there were there's just little gaps like kind of like missing tooths in the smile where I wanted to go and like really listen and so it was cool it was fun um, I, I plan to do it again um in February.
3: Yeah, I think it's just if you're writing about music in any way, I think it's important to kind of try to identify your blind spots. And mm. that exercise for me has been a good one on that front. Like I I've learned so much more about jazz over the years. And that exercise has been one of the avenues for that. Um mm. where, you know, I knew jazz primarily in the context of either Latin jazz, because that was the kind of stuff my father might play in the house when I was a kid. And then in the context of who did folks like large professor and DJ premier sample. Right. You know, right. It's like Queensbridge is, you know, basically a 20 minute walk from where I live. So it's just like that first Nas album is exactly that. That's my context for jazz Mm -hmm. growing up. Mm -hmm. And so understanding kind of more about that and how, how important it is beyond a a chopped up sample or a loop uh, is, has been, Uh, enlightening to me over the past several years. And when you say, okay, I'm going to learn as much as I can about, you know, post-bop, you know, I'm going to learn as much as I can about soul jazz. I'm going to learn as much as I can about these different periods or these particular artists. Uh, And I think it just makes you more well-rounded so that when you hear an artist in maybe your main swim lane, let's say your swim lane is hip hop and you hear something in that music and they sample something, it makes you a better uh, writer, critic, listener to that,
2: you mm. know,
3: no, I, I go back to no name. Like I called no names albums. I thought those to me are jazz albums. And I got, I got flack for some of that from jazz musicians who were just like, how is that a jazz album? Cause you know, whenever we're talking you, praise of a woman in a way that's not conventional, it's just going to lead to somebody puffing out their fucking chest. And it's like, I felt like knowing what I knew, it's like there was that aesthetic there. You know, I think if somebody called Illmatic a jazz album, uh, people might be more receptive to that uh, context. For, and, and asking why that's okay and no names is not okay is the question that has the very obvious answer. But again, it's about context. And I think the more you know about music, the more you understand that. So,
0: that's so. super dope. So, so is your goal then to like just stand on the dead carcass of, of hip hop journalism? and kind of just democratize the whole thing? Because all the projects you're talking about seem to kind of are, be sort of a middle finger to the hip hop journalism industrial complex. Like, do it yourself, everybody write. Um, is that is that an ethos for you? Or is that just something that's just how you're wired?
3: I'm I'm pro writer. And I think that's probably the easiest way to, to put it, it okay. probably the least offensive way to put it, is I'm pro writer, is I think that, there are some hugely talented people out there. And then there are a whole bunch of folks who never get the opportunity to do any real good work because they get no mentoring Mm -hmm. and they get no support. And as we hear more and more about what's going on at Complex, what's going on at Pitchfork, what's going on in all these places, it's like no wonder we're not getting
0: Yeah,
3: right. name recognition hip hop journalists anymore. Mm Like yeah. we're getting personalities, you know. Right. It's great that Joe Biden was able to pivot it to something that wasn't hip hop. It was great that he found another avenue for himself because right. he's the weakest in Slaughterhouse. So it's important. <laughs> it's important to find something else that you're good right. at. It's Absolutely. like I don't yeah. think I, I don't think I would be a very I like I've been in I've done music before. I don't think I'm a particularly good musician in context. Yeah. I think I'm a much better writer. Right. So, you know. I think in any band that I've ever been in, I've been the weakest link in those bands. That's fine. So my feeling is the industry is failing. These legacy media outlets, as well as things that are more recent, are showing their true colors or otherwise being bought and picked over by these vultures. And at the end of the day, I think that there is enough talent out there who can take what they've learned so far and find a new avenue that those who really care about the writing aspect of this and not in the, maybe I might meet Drake someday aspect of this uh, deserve that opportunity. And I think that democratizing tools like Substack, which is what I use for my newsletter. They don't pay me. So don't worry about that. Um, It's not an endorsement (laughs) in that respect, but like these sorts of democratizing tools, what, what podcasting offers, uh, what, uh, MailChimp or Substack or any of these other platforms have for newsletters. I think that it gives an avenue uh, for folks to grow themselves beyond the conventional because I don't necessarily know whether Complex is going to be here 10 years from now. I don't necessarily know if Vice is going to look anything like what Vice is, you know, 10 years from now. And I think that the reality uh, of, of the writing life is is that we need to start exploring avenues that don't involve corporate ownership Mm. and we may find that it creates great writers you know there are some folks who i think are doing exceptional work in this system and uh those are folks who i'm happy to to boost you know you know i think somebody like craig jenkins uh at vulture is doing an extraordinary job and I'm not just saying that because he drinks me under the table sometimes. You know, I think there are some amazing people. Taylor Crumpton is fantastic. There are some genuinely fantastic people out there. And there are also some folks who deserve the chance to, to grow. So they're not going to do that by getting staff jobs or internships at companies that are generally going to favor white supremacy at the end of the day.
0: Mm,
3: yep. Not for hip hop. I mean, I'm sure it works for country. Georgia works for rock and roll, but it doesn't work for hip hop.
0: Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. It's why, it's why these artists don't want to fuck with those places. It's why those artists shit on those places. Mm-hmm. Like why, why should we, you know, uh, why should they work with us? You know, if we're representing this outlet and this outlet writes articles that don't get it. And the reason why they don't get it is because they put the wrong person on or they didn't properly work with the person who wrote that piece. And now that's the stain. Mm-hmm. That's the standard school. I'm never going to work with this fucking place. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. Yep. True. true.
0: Man, um, very, very insightful uh, stuff. What is pivoting a little bit here? Mm-hmm. What are some of the newer records that, um, that you are really hyped about? We had uh, Arm and Hammer on last week. We're all super big on Shrines. Love to get your opinion on that record. And like, what other, what other new things are, are clicking for you? I mean, and can one of them
1: be the Koreatown Oddity so I can have someone to talk about it with?
3: <laughs> oh, good, because that was what I was going to say, actually. Um, yeah, uh, the Koreatown Oddity record, A Little Dominique's Nosebleed. I've been a Koreatown Oddity fan for a real long time. And back when he was working with Roz G, rest in peace uh, on the Five Chuckles project. The Five Chuckles project, if you haven't heard Five Chuckles, like after you listened to the Little Dominique's Nosebleed, which is one of the best albums I've heard all year, Go back to that because that album is brilliant. It's Roz G on the beats, Great Town Oddity on vocals. And it's just like, it is a trip. It's like, I went back to it the other day because I remembered how much I enjoyed uh, that project. And it was like songs about doing acid at Disneyland and tracks about, an amazing, one of the best tracks about getting pulled over or stopped by the cops for smoking weed in public. And it's just like, a, it's like the narrative of that. And it's fucking like, it's, it's this like, cause Koreatown Oddity is also a comedian. He's also a, a stand-up. Oh, and so he applies, okay. he applies a sense of humor to it, but he has, you know, I think he's in his mid thirties as the man. He has a clear understanding of hip hop history as well. Mm. It's a brilliant album. It's worthy of, 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 of Stone's Throw's best catalog works. It will rank, if I, do a ranking this year of best albums, which I sometimes do. I usually just uh, reserve all that for the outlets that pay me for that sort of schlocky uh, content because uh, it's popular, so it's good. Right? I, it's going to be high on my Every list. Every time That's we call anything list. the best, it
1: gets higher ratings than if we try to have a nuanced conversation.
3: Yeah, <laughs> so on Oddity, one of the best albums of 2020 so far. There okay. Is, there you go. Uh,
1: it. Okay. Can I run something by you, Gary? I'm, I'm workshopping mm-hmm. this, and I will workshop it on you. It's kind of like a Quasimodo album, but that's a cartoon and it's remade with like in live action. Like it has that similar like sense of forward motion. Like he goes and gets into adventures and says funny things about it and then he kind of moves away. Does that resonate
3: with you at all? I just keep thinking about when they tried to make that Major Laser cartoon, which is just one of the (laughs) most garbage things I've ever seen in my life. And I love the guys from Major Laser. Like I think Walshy Fire is. A gifted and underrated artist because unfortunately he has to stand next to Diplo all the time. But he is he is brilliant and I that Major laser cartoon was hot garbage.
1: I don't disagree with that. Uh, yeah, I'm really. So you have, to tread, you have to tread lightly.
3: You have to tread lightly.
1: I gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, I I hadn't really listened to him at all, and I did not. I did not understand what his deal is. I just put it on this weekend because I wanted to investigate um and I was blown away like uh by a lot of the things you said where how reference dense it is and that's a thing that really resonates with me as a listener if I feel like I'm getting it and I'm like oh he has a track on there where it's about basically growing up in the early to mid 80s about like watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and like things we used to eat and like clothing brands and like stuff I was just like holy shit this guy grew up exactly like I did like I could not be identifying with a track more than this so yeah it's it's a really dope album i'm glad you ended up bringing that up totally organically and not because
3: i not because and let me actually i want to throw something else another thing in there that i think will be is less known um but i highly recommend it especially for folks who are uh fans of mf doom uh and that's uh blue b-l-o-o and spanish ran put out an album called mf blue which is a a salute to uh the vaudeville villain himself. It's uh, it's Spanish Rand is one of the best producers out there right now that most people don't know. Okay. His style is very New York, very real, and Blue is a terrific artist. He's a terrific rapper to be working with him on this project. Together, they made one of the best projects, tapes, I don't know what you call these things anymore, of the year. I think it's a brilliant project and I've used my platform with cabbages to try to push, push it and that people be aware of it. But uh, anybody listening to this who wants to hear a hip hop album that none of these corporate hip hop media outlets are ever going to write about uh, it's that one. And I think that the sooner that folks get onto Spanish ran as a producer and understand what he's doing, cause he's putting out so many projects. as, soon as they get into that, they're going to understand like, okay, this is like, Remember when everyone figured out about what Griselda was? And I was like, oh, Griselda's good. Yeah, Griselda's been good. You know? It's like they're gonna be like that with Spanish Rand. And if they don't, that's gonna be a real tragedy. So
1: that's awesome. Wow. We get we got some homework to do. I think that's new for all of us. So that's yeah. dope.
3: Get your pens out. Awesome.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. So cabbages every every Sunday. Is that when every- you're
3: Every Sunday, I do a, a links roundup on Thursdays of my uh, what I think is the best uh, hip hop articles that came out during the week from other writers. And then okay. Sunday is all me and my big fat mouth.
0: All right. So <laughs> if, if folks want to get on your mailing list, how do they do that?
3: Uh, easy. So it's uh, it's uh, they go to they can either go to my Twitter and it's it's always there pretty prominently. My Twitter is noyokono n o y o k o n o Mm-hmm. or they can take that at n o y o k o n o com is how to get there directly but i'm always pushing it so if you okay. get to my twitter you're you're going to see it within a matter of minutes
1: okay awesome. so it's not no yoko no?
3: no you see that would require another o
1: ah i always read it like that okay yeah. this is why you have to actually talk to people yeah <laughs> this,
3: is, this is this is why I feel like it's a public service. No, Yoko, no. I've been it's like, nice.
1: just like the sonnance of that has been wrong in my head now for years. Okay, good to know.
3: Yeah.
0: See, this is what we get to the bottom of on Dad Bod Rap Pod. Uh We want to thank you, Gary, for joining us, man. Um, definitely would love to have you back on the program again to, uh, to agitate and talk long shit. And Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: That's thanks what I enough. do. Yo, right. thank thanks, you, thanks for having me. Thank you again, Absolutely. Gary. Thanks for stopping right. by. Nice to
1: meet you.
2: David, you do they let,
3: David, do they let you talk on this podcast at all? Or <laughs> No. I feel I like d- they really crowd you out.
2: I, I just transcribed what, what you guys talk about. So
3: Okay, good. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for having me again.
2: Yo, th- thank you again for all your help recently as well, Gary. Appreciate all right,
3: you. no worries.
0: Okay. Yeah, so I want to thank uh, Gary Suarez, uh, Cabbage's newsletter, uh, for coming on. Wonderfully acerbic um, I like when you talk <laughs> to somebody and then they match their Twitter persona. Totally, totally.
2: It was good to get him on. It, it's, it's very much like, to your point, very much Twitter persona. And, you know, it's good to have somebody on here to shoot the shit with us who's mad honest and mad real. And, uh, you know, he was talking about his uh, two decades in music journalism, which sort of aligns with mine. I've been doing it for right. about 20 years, too. So it's good to talk to another head who's been in the game for so long.
0: Uh, yeah, shout we- out to Gary. We appreciate him coming on, uh, gave us a couple jewels to, uh, to check out for, uh, as we look at our, going towards the album of the year stuff. But the program does not stop there. We have another dope interview lined up for you guys. Um, you are gonna hear from uh, just a cool ass cat um, who's pretty much worked with everybody in the, the rap industry, uh, goes by the name of Jake One out of Seattle, um, somebody who's, maybe if we did an over under segment, he would probably be savagely underrated. Absolutely. um, As a producer, you would say? Yes, absolutely. I mean, given his expansive
2: body of work through through so many years and his sort of lack of regionalism, like he's working with all kinds of cats from all kinds of backgrounds and has been doing it and kind of quietly doing it. Yeah, yeah, very quiet. so to your point, yeah, man, he, yeah, he is, I, I think, vastly underrated, unless people have just straight up have heard of him.
0: Yeah, yeah, we, we were very fortunate to, um, to be able to chop it up with um, um very affable dude, gave us some, some interesting backstories. Um, so yeah, so without further ado, here is our interview with the mighty Jake One. All right, Dad Bod Rap Pod, back once again here in the temple of Zoom, uh, bringing you podcast content throughout the quarantine, Uh, and we're very pleased to have a a dope guest on the program. We did a little bit of research, and by we, we mean Nate did, um, and we found out that this person has produced for every living rapper. (laughs) <laughs> um, that exists right now. We're so, close. <laughs> <laughs> so on on the line or in the Zoom, we have Jake One. How's it going, man?
4: It's going pretty good, man. It's nice,
0: nice day out here in Seattle for once. Nice. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks uh, it looks pretty deluxe. As a uh, mall, my family, I have a lot of family in Seattle, and there's like two and a half months where the shit is the most beautiful place known to man. It
4: it tricks people when they come out here at this time Because They think. It's going to be nice during the winter and nah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, nah. I went yeah, the winter What we, li-
4: we live for this right now. This is why I endure
0: the fucking rain. So, <laughs> Right on, man. Well, thanks for taking some time out of a beautiful Pacific Northwest day to uh to wrap with us. So, we, again, we are kind of going through your, your producer credit kind of discography. But can you tell us, like, what was the first placement you got where you were like, this shit is real? Like how when, uh, what was that first one where you were like oh, okay i'm i'm on now i don't know man
4: um <laughs> cuz i i had i had gotten a lot of songs placed and didn't quit my job so i want to say like 2006 okay um but i i would say the one that i got uh that, that made the most noise where it was like, oh, yeah, people like what I do is uh, De La Soul, Rock Cocaine Flow. <laughs> oh, okay. That was definitely the first one that, like, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I am good at this and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah,
1: amazing song. Um, I, I feel like when I heard that, I hadn't really heard anything like it before, and it's still really a favorite. Um, and I know you and Dave are doing a little thing on that, so we don't have to do yeah. to it today, but just, like, yeah, like, props. Thank man. you. Uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful track. Really interesting time and all that. Um, yeah, we just were we were tripping off the the range. It's like you've got underground twelve inches on connected, and you've got <laughs> Rick Ross <laughs> between Dre and Jay Z, and yeah. that, that's not really a question either. Um, it's just more. Um, I guess do you tailor the beat to the situation, or do you just make a bunch of beats and then try to get them into the right hands?
4: Um, it's very rare of. Uh, very rare that i make anything and specifically for anybody um tuxedo is probably the only thing i do where it's like this could really only be for this everything else is just a fucking crap shoot and a lot of times i might have somebody uh in mind for a beat and they don't even like it so right. Right. um at this point i man honestly i don't even know anymore i've i'm 44 years old like i'm i feel like i'm so out of touch even with some of the stuff I end up working on, I'm just like, oh, that's what you guys wanted. And it makes me go back and make more like whatever it was that worked. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes. Uh, but no, I wouldn't say, you know, maybe if I'm doing like a whole project with somebody, I might be like, oh, they sound good on this kind of beat. But even that, I just haven't had a lot of success when, cause I get these calls, like "Beyonce's working, blah, blah, blah. And it just... I'm not good at that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm just
0: not. No. <laughs>
2: well, hey Jake, I wanted to um, just uh, uh, sort of circle back. Um, obviously, you're from Seattle, and but you know, you're not one of those dudes who hyper like claim their location, right? Because I mean, and you've worked with so many different people, but yeah. uh, but we're from the Bay, and I, I want to just get the backstories on um, your production work with Casual from Hyro as well Casual. as Casual uh, Gifted Gab uh, from uh, Black Alicious.
4: right? Uh, um, the Gab album came about because a good friend of mine from Seattle was uh, road managing Black Alicious at that time, um, my boy Jay Moore, uh, RIP. And, like, he, he was on the tour bus, and he would just play my beats on the tour bus. Um, he was just that kind of dude. I would never do that if I was in his situation. <laughs> <laughs> but, but thank God he was that person. Um, he's the one that even connected me with Day a bunch of stuff, really, really Ooh. close homie. Um and yeah, Gab actually came to Seattle. We recorded that all here. I wanna say Oh wow. I don't even remember what year that was, but I know I had a job. I was going there like after work. And uh you know, we were just taking him around, showing them all the stuff here. Me and Vitamin D produced the whole thing. Yeah. And uh it was it was funny with him because he was looking to do something very different than Black Alicious. And I think he thought what we were doing was like going to be like something you could play in a club and shit like that and I was thinking nah, (laughs) it's probably not going to happen
0: either (laughs) he
4: thought he was doing like some commercial that was not what it was Um, Uh, was but I think the ill thing with Gab was he was just like so genuine and what he would might even have that as a goal and it would never turn out that way like it could not help but be him you know right and uh, that's probably why people like the record but it was also kind of a weird thing where you're like when you come in and do something like that where people are used to like a certain sound and rapping on, there's like, they're not fucking with you at the same time. Like the, the traditional fans of that music. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a lesson, like just picking the right shit to do. Sometimes I felt like, even though we made a good record, it didn't really hit the people who might've liked it. And his mm-hmm. fans or like some of the black delicious fans were turned off by it because it had like, Keyboard bass and shit yeah, like that. They don't want say. that. You know what I mean? Slapped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <it's, it's> like, <laughs> yeah.
4: so they. There's a certain aesthetics, a certain underground hip hop, especially in those days. I feel like all that's out the window. I don't think it even exists uh,
1: exists anymore. But.
4: Yeah, back then it was like very – you're on one side of the fence or the other. you know. I'm a reformed
1: backpacker. We talk about this on the show. Yeah, I mean, we all Back then I had rules, and now I don't. Now (laughs) I just like what I like, and I I saved all these cool projects for myself because I was like, oh, that's not it. And now I listen. I'm like, oh, this is amazing.
4: Yeah, and I don't know if like because we didn't have – we had a scene here as far as hip-hop, but nobody was really successful. So we kind of drew from a lot of things. Like I liked a lot of East Coast stuff, but I also was – playing rvl and totally insane and right. four on five all that stuff was equally as important because it was what everybody around was playing right so, right. you know i feel like the guys that end up making beats out of here ended up having a different thing that was a little unique as far mm-hmm. as that
2: <laughs> well yeah. speaking, uh, speaking right. of backpack i mean the the project with casual um can you sort of break that down a little bit Um,
4: when I, when I actually quit my job in 2006, I actually moved to Oakland for like a year. Oh, I know uh, that. Okay. Yeah. I I think I had done the stuff with Encore for Hyrule and I was just friends with those guys. So I would go over there and hang out and Casual was just a dude I was a fan of. Um, my boy ID was working there, Ian Davis. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just gave him a bunch of beats and, you know, we kind of worked on it and then I moved and just kind of fell by the wayside and he just ended up kind of putting it, putting it together later on. Mm. Um, but I always just thought he was really underrated. I just loved his attitude mm-hmm. um, at rapping. He was just an entertaining, he was an entertaining dude to be around in general. Oh yeah. Like, get into these like phases. Like I feel like when I was there, he got really into fishing out of nowhere. <laughs> like, he would just be doing that all the time. You know? <laughs>
1: um... Perfect segue here. I was listening to the casual thing today, and I listened to White Van music yesterday. And Cash's uh, track on White Van music is hot, dude. It's like the, you. you guys sounded so good on that, and he he was just like so swagged out. He was just naming all the rappers that he right. would, that he said fucks <laughs> with them, and then ripping these incredible verses. Um, right. So let's, let's talk about White Van music a little bit. Um, I just I just have to say, and I'm not here to like you know like blow you up or anything, but like it's perfectly put together like every little when you threw in a little vocal sample when you like referred back to things like when you have doom come back again like it's just just as a comp and or a producer album i don't know how you think of it and i'd love to hear kind of what your take on that is like it 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 has a cohesiveness and a quality to it that a lot of those things really lack where they're kind of all over the place so i know i listened to that when it came out but i went back to it yesterday and it's just really really well put together from like the beats to the artwork to the verses that were commissioned and placed. so uh good on you and like can you tell us a little bit about how that all came about
4: that album really was just kind of me trying to go back to the backpacker that i probably still am to this day and like (laughs) i was at that point, I kind of got my break and I was doing like a lot of stuff with 50 and Young Buck and all of G-Union, just various other commercial-esque things, just my version of it. Mm-hmm. And I just got tired of like, like I would send them beats that would have like scratch hooks and shit. I don't know why I thought they would use it, but I just didn't care. I'd put like scratch or breakdown in there or something. <laughs> and I remember they'd be like, man, you got to take all this shit out of <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to rap." it.
2: <laughs> oh, that's okay. um,
4: so it was just kind of i just wanted to do something for myself you know because yeah. the other stuff was like my first time trying to navigate making a living doing this and even when i would try to do something i felt like where i was selling out It just never really turned out that way i just you know it didn't quite work out that way but the album was like a lot of songs I did for people for their albums that they didn't use for whatever reason. Mm. And then once I had kind of a good group of songs, I started getting people that I was friends with. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just did it with no limitations. And I, and I, I really did want to put like people wouldn't, you know, make sense on rhyme stairs. I just thought that was really funny to put like, young buck on a rhyme stairs <laughs> or loser, whoever else I had on there right. at the time that didn't make any sense, um, of what people's, you know, idea of what that right. was supposed to be. Right. So that was really kind of all that was and, you know, it did pretty well. Um, unfortunately I just got so flagrant with the sampling and scratches. I got sued like a you know, a bunch of times. And it just really? like <laughs> kind of killed off the momentum a little bit. Um, and, you know, there's been times I'm like, yeah, I should do part two and I'll do a couple songs and it just, I just end up doing some. you know, I'll, I'll send people beats and then they'll just use it for their project. Right. right. Mm. And it's just, it just kind of feels like a better use of it to get a bigger light on whatever I'm doing. But you who knows? I have a bunch of songs. You know? <laughs> um,
1: I was just going to make a joke. Like, you should do it again if for no other reason than the saddle, the Seattle track that's kind of towards the end. Uh, right. None of the Seattle teams had started winning yet, so it's kind of uh, well like No, a, the Seahawks like this down.
4: <laughs> just, just see, we we well, we lost a team first of all. That was yeah,
1: bad. but um, yeah, the Seahawks
4: won, and that was just so strange that like we actually won in something. It kind of yeah. made that part of the song invalid. But it uh, <laughs> was funny.
1: He's like, we got the Seahawks blues. We watched the Seahawks lose. I was like, Wait, are we watching the same thing.
4: <laughs> we were so shitty at everything, but. It's funny, I I looked at that video recently, and, like, it's just crazy. I mean, it was, whatever, 10 years ago, and a bunch of those guys are, like, adults now. You know, they were kids, like, when I did that video. And, uh, I mean, pretty much anybody from here from that time was in there, from your Macklemore on down. And, you know, I I don't even think I invited him to the video. He just just showed up. (laughs) That's my boy, but no.
2: (laughs) that's hilarious jake you know on topic of white white van music um we got to talk a little bit about doom and just sort of how you guys exchanged the music and how you guys linked up and what how he is as a character and and you know somebody a collaborative that that was
4: really all sadiq from rhymes there's like i you know i knew i feel like i knew more kmd than i knew mf doom like i Mm. definitely listened to the operation doomsday and stuff like that but um they were trying to make records with him that didn't have samples. Cause they just couldn't, they just kept getting sued like crazy mm-hmm. at that time. So a lot of those songs we made purely with the, under the guys, like we're making stuff to get licensed or whatever. And then we just ended up using all the songs and they turned out good. Okay. Um, but I made most of those beats down in Oakland with, um, with G Coop. Who's like, he's a big producer. Now he did bad and bougie and some other ones. Um, and it's it's just funny because I only met him one time and it was brief. It was like probably the last show he did in America at Soundset, um, mm. and he had like a bunch of police with him and shit. It was so strange. Um, <laughs> he sent out the, the Doom Poster first, like no way, yeah. And then like the thing <laughs> the, the Doom Poster smoke started coming out the mask, and then he ran up there and did. He might have did ball skin. I don't know. I, it was it was it was very strange the whole thing. But, the crowd did not get it. They didn't. Know what was going on. <laughs> it's like, why are there two guys with a mask on stage and one of them on the crowd? It's weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have some other songs with him that I think are going to come out relatively soon. Um, oh, oh. But yeah, wait. it's really, you know, Sadiq is from Rhyme Stairs is the one that really seems to be able to get him to do whatever it is. And there'd just be funny things about working with him. Like I would, a lot of the beats I make when I send them out, it'll be, like, a minute 30 or something because I don't want to hear the beat play that long after a while. I'm just tired of it. And mm-hmm. I noticed he would just rap to the end of the beat. Like, <laughs> so then I was like, maybe if I send him, like, something that's three minutes, he's going to keep rapping. And he totally did. So there was, like, a 3 <laughs> when, And, yeah, I learned my lesson. Like, every time I send him a beat, I send it really long. just to I about to get say, yeah. More action out of
2: him.
0: <laughs> that's, dope. that's dope, man super dope so is there a um we asked i'm asking this because we've had uh um, really a couple artists from seattle um on is do you feel like there's a a sound or a vibe from the artists that that are coming out of seattle um
4: i don't know man because i think it's so all over the board um i always identify with the sound of the stuff in the 90s when i was a kid and it was really underground stuff um, there was this group called Tribal that was really dope. That it was definitely the guys I was with at that era that I was hanging out with, um, and I like their stuff the best. It's definitely like some some somber, kind of sad, earthy shit. I guess I don't know. I, there's there's a <laughs> lot of different kind of people. So I mean, we have little Mosey now, and I don't really think of him as like making Seattle esque music, but right. he's from here, and you know he was inspired by this. So mm. you know, Macklemore, I don't think is being like He's kind of created this own thing that whatever that is, you know, it's like kind of pop rap, but then it's kind of hip hoppy at times. I don't know. Where is Mclemore? Uh, he looked. He looked back looked like he close was. <laughs> <to me. laughs> he was like.
1: He's actually. He's right
4: over here. the hill. Actually, he lived <laughs> like maybe a mile away from me. <laughs> no way.
1: Oh, that's yeah.
4: Hilarious. Yeah, I see him. I see him around a lot still.
1: Um, can I ask you kind of a weird question, and I've never asked anyone this before, but I feel like I can try this out on you, um, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, do you think there's such a thing as a perfect beat?
4: No, um, mm. not not from the producer side, because everything I do, I'll listen to it later, and I'm like, "Ah, I could have did that better," or whatever. But as a fan, yeah, there's a bunch of them to me.
1: No. no, that's why I wanted to get into it because I was like i was i had doing this whole thing yesterday, like it's like baking like you could put the just the right amount of baking powder and the just the right amount of flour and like yeah, your croissant will be perfect, but if you leave it in the oven for five minutes too long, you've ruined the mathematical perfection right. of it and you you've taken it into this realm of like it has to be philosophically perfect, and I just it, like you seem like a craftsman, so I just wanted to see like if the numbers are all right, but something is a it little just, off. Like how it you just has it.
4: to feel right. Like there's things that I work on for a long time that just still is just not right. Um and some of the best ones I ever did, they just click. So I mean, I think it's tricky, man. And and then there's like a more of a more modern style where the beat like switches like five million times and shit. Yeah. And maybe I might like just one of those beats out of the five. No. So I only get it for forty seconds, whereas before, if I'm listening to Gangster, I'm getting the same two bars for three minutes. You know, right? Right. right.
0: Um, Just say Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but then it's
4: also like there's even a whole other school, and I've you know I have some younger homies that are like. They they're not record guys, but then they tell me about records and loops and I'm like, but you don't even have records. You don't even know <laughs> this. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm not gonna like be as proud of a beat I make if I just played the record. Even, even if it turns into a dope song, that's great. We all wanna do that. But on some like artistry, you just don't feel proud. And, you know, there's like if I was an alchemist was, I don't know, before all this shit happened, the quarantine. And, you know, We were fucking laughing about, you know, take the drums off, like, for a good, like, two
0: hours.
4: (laughs) Like, and then I I was trying to think, like, there's no, like, underground songs that people like that have drums. Like, if it's underground, it can't have drums. Or the drums got to be dumb low in the mix. So it's like, we're just in a weird space. And then the modern shit is all drums, you know, whatever the hot records are. So it's like, it's almost like a, a line in the sand, you know, and I would have never thought that that would be the thing. Like, right, you know, yeah. to literally just not put drums on the beat—that's the hot <laughs> shit. Like,
1: could <laughs> have saved yourself a lot of time. I know, what, was I do,
4: to,
2: what
0: was I doing trying to get good at drums all these years? Uh,
2: <laughs> you know, so, um, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Dema. So,
0: so, but while we're on the subject of a perfect beat, what's what's a perfect beat to you? Like, what is a, an example of a beat that you're like? That is absolutely perfect It's tricky because there's like there's beats that
4: like I have of friends of mine that are you know obviously some of the best producers ever that I just love the beat. Nobody even rapped to it, or it might oh, okay. not even have been a good song, okay and then there's ones that I feel like the lyrics make the beat better, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say something like uh, group Home superstar like oh. I just love that beat. I love this as I heard it. Yeah, it perfect. never gets yeah. tired to me. It's just perfect. It's like it's probably two instruments. Was it just the the break and the sample and that's it? Yeah. Yep. But it's perfect to me. Um mm-hmm. and you know, people like to criticize the group home for that That was my next stuff. question. <laughs> but but don't do don't
0: do the group home no. add or detract from that song?
4: I think they add to it. I think okay. the I think just the I'm not gonna say how bad they are, but just the nobody else would say some of that shit but sure. them.
0: Yeah.
4: And maybe it's just cuz I love that album so much I'm just look yeah. past all that. Right. But it add, it added to the to the it's like there's just a comedy to it unintentionally that I love, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And Premier Picks rappers based on their voices. He's not like, what are your bars? I mean, he might say right. that, but he don't give a shit about that.
0: <laughs> I don't either,
4: you know. I, really? Like you no, just it's, really, it's tone of voice. Yeah, it's all tone and voice and flow. Yeah. And then, you know, if people got good lyrics, that's great, too, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that's first and foremost. Like, I never could really get into guys that had a weird voice or um, their rhythm was fucked up. That was never really the guys I was into. That's
0: so
2: good. That's you know, uh, we, we were going through your long list of people you've collaborated with, and pr- pretty much we are joking that you've worked with everybody. Um but like, but who haven't you worked with that you would love to just you know lace a beat for?
4: Um, I mean, there's some I've done stuff for it just hasn't come out. Oh, uh, really? And, like I did one for Eminem that didn't come out. I did one. Wow. I've done multiple for Kendrick that haven't come out. It just Whoa. hasn't been the right thing. Um, who's the one I really want to work with at this point? Um, Kanye is another one. I did songs for him. They just haven't been used yet. Wow. Um, Man, I mean, not a rapper, but I just want Charlie Wilson on the next Tuxedo album. That's uh, all I've been trying to speak uh, into existence.
1: So okay. I'm, we're going to have to pay him whatever he needs and make that happen.
0: <laughs> okay. Uncle Charlie. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Um, tell it. us a little bit about Tuxedo. It's might might be a little bit outside the realm of, like, kind of the the construct we use for the show. Right. Like aging, aging hip hoppers or whatever. But <laughs> it seems like the thing where you have the most fun just from the outside.
4: I mean, it's just... It, Tuxedo was just a thing we did fucking around and it just caught, which, you know, I think that's always the best feeling. That's, that's um, two of those
1: for Mayor Hawthorne, huh?
4: <laughs> right, exactly. He, he just needs to, I mean, he needs to not take anything seriously, clearly. Um, <laughs> but, um yeah, I don't know. It was just something we were messing around with. And, you know, as somebody that never really was a musician or anything like that, I just think it's hilarious that I'm playing keys and singing backgrounds like for you know we're playing for like a thousand two thousand people sometimes and just like sometimes i'll be up there like what the fuck how did this happen
0: <laughs>
4: and, uh, right. and there's people that only love that and don't even know about my hip-hop side and then vice versa you know right. so right and i've had like some big rappers who like man what's this the wedding band thing you're doing like <laughs> this just seems like it's popping
2: <laughs> that's how
4: you know, it's uh it's been cool, man. I don't know. I think just doing something without expectations just kind of brought that back home for me. Like just do the shit you love and let the rest of it figure itself out.
2: Right, right. Um, can you talk a little bit um about the connection with Dre's production team and sort of how that came about? Um I read a little bit about it, but I you know, not too much info exists. So can you just right. share a little bit of that? Well,
4: you know, there was a time where I just felt like I wasn't supposed to talk about it because, you know, it seemed like people were getting fired. <laughs> so, but I, You know, I never moved down there. I stayed in Seattle. Anyways, uh, I had done some songs. Um, there were some beats he liked and they recorded. some. it was actually around the time we did white band music. Um, and it was really weird because I think I was mixing... Might have been the truth in the studio. In the studio, I, was at, I had a really big picture of Dre on the wall. Mm. And then the guy I was dealing with after my called, he's like, Dre wants to talk to you. And then I put him on speakerphone. because You know, there's people in the room. I'm like, he's really on the phone. And <laughs> so it's like looking at him, you know, and then he's talking to me. And, uh, you know, I ended up doing like a, a song deal with them. And, you know, there's a bunch of songs I did, that I'm sure Never See the Light of Day. Detox, and, basically. Yeah. yeah, I mean whatever whatever yeah. it was. Um but you know, I've I've been around him multiple times and it's just it's weird, you know, because that's like he's one of the reasons I even make music. So um mm. uh, before I even knew what a producer was or what a producer did. So I think at the time I did that too, it's like all the people that I wanted to be all came through that same kind of apprenticeship. Like you went and sat in the studio with him and you know, he rapped on your beats and gave you the thumbs up. So I felt like I had made it in a way when I did that. Mm-hmm. I think that was, like, 2010. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was in there. I went and saw him, like, I don't know, a year and a half ago. Heard what he was working on, played some beats, and, and left. That's how I like to do it. I don't really want to be the guy hanging out all day. I feel like it's better <laughs> if I just pop in and out, you know, be a little more elusive. Yeah, So, yeah, yeah. Let's go. But, I mean, it's it's just, you know it's it's still a trip and i've made a lot of friends from the other guys that are working there like dj khalil is like one of my really good friends um and he was really at that time doing all the shit um he did so many amazing records that never came out it's like it makes me mad because i want to hear them again you know yeah, yeah yeah
1: i don't get how you guys live with that like you, right you a peek behind the curtain then you just have to know this thing exists like for the rest of your life and with him Man, it probably I, I literally will never come this.
4: out I think I recorded one of the songs on, like, a flip phone or something. (laughs) Um, But it was, like, yeah, it was, like, a classic Snoop and Dre song. I think somebody leaked, like, 20 seconds of it a couple years ago, which is, you know, whatever. I I wish they would have leaked the whole thing because I just want the song. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah.
4: But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, like, the thing he does is, you know, he'll pay for stuff that doesn't come out, and nobody else does that. So it's, like, the combo of being, you know, just the honor of being able to be a part of that the money you're gonna you know something like three kings happened purely because of him that was a detox song and that's how he got on rick ross's album so you know it ended up working out for me um and you know i definitely took some things from just being around and seeing how he works he's he just works his ass off and i don't know if i'm really doing that per se Mm -hmm. but um it's crazy all the accomplishments he's done he just still loves it that much you know just still mm-hmm. loves music, that's all he knows what, all he knows how to do is go to the studio. That's like his life mm-hmm.
1: crazy you still buy records all day nice, yeah,
4: quarantine has been i mean at this point, you know if you've been buying records for whatever twenty some years, the things you want are just extremely hard to get, and you're just buying them on discogs mm-hmm. as a trophy hey, at discogs. this point yeah. for sure hey. um yeah. so I definitely still do that a lot I mean. Tuxedo has been really big in Japan, so I've just been going fucking crazy out there the last five years because um, they just have the best record stores in the world. Um, But yeah, records is still, that's one thing I still really enjoy as much as I did from when I started, you know, so. like I still
1: love it. Yeah, you appear to have a very nice collection. Not that we're Instagram stalking you or anything. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going <laughs> Try good. To, trying to read spines, zooming in. I, I have, I
4: have, you know, a couple, like the dude that started Neon records is this guy, Supreme. And he's got one of the best collections in the world. So, like, yeah. I'm always kind of feel like I'm chasing him. There's records that I saw at his house in the 90s. And I'll I'll run into it and I'm like, damn, I've never seen this besides his house. Mm-hmm. It's like I almost have to buy it no matter the price. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on some weird, you know, mental shit.
1: Yeah. Just to keep up.
4: Yeah. I mean, and then I don't know, maybe it's cause the, the circle of friends I have, that I started buying records in that community. They're all getting older. So everybody has better jobs. And yeah. I feel like the money people spend on records is just, it would have been just totally unfathomable when I was younger than
1: totally. It feels
4: like a $200 record isn't even
1: expensive anymore, which is crazy. I know, oh, I hear you. Well, it's, I think the problem is the floor got raised because of all these, like, right. costly New Jack, like, collectors. Like, <laughs> right. every record is 40 bucks because, like, Fleetwood Mac right. sells for 40 no matter what in know, right. and I, And that,
4: that's just still, like, mind-blowing to me. It's
1: like, they, what did they sell, $10 million of those things? Like, yeah. they're yeah. fucking it's everywhere.
2: Not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> not rare. My defini- not by rare. By definition,
1: it is not rare. <laughs> no,
2: not
4: at all.
1: Oh, man.
2: So Jake, anything, um, anything on the come up that you're working on that you're excited about? Um, you know, you mentioned some beats that you made that haven't seen the light of day, but are, is there anything else floating out there that you, that? Um, um
4: I, like it's coming soon, soon. I don't know, man. Nobody tells me anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just know, like, guys record this stuff and then it just sits in a stash and then it's like fucking rap Olympics or rap lottery. You just kind of hope your song stays. Mm. um it's weird i've been doing a lot of r&b this year and i'm it just wasn't really intentional but that's been working well so you know hopefully i'll do some more hip-hop i did do like a little remix album of kind of just random songs i wanted to remix that through on Bandcamp. um but yeah i don't know we'll we'll see i i actually i never like to even say what i do anymore until it comes out because i just like i jinx it from yeah yeah, yeah. not coming out
2: i know how that i think i
4: did that like in scratch magazine in the early 2000s, and I had everybody ask me, yo, what happened to the song you did with Nas? And I was like, I didn't like it no more. <laughs>
0: A little crunchy, you know? Oh, like, oh. man, man. Well, Jake one, we really appreciate you coming on the program, man. Uh, it's been super cool. We'll be on the lookout for the projects that you are not going to tell us about, but that we will still <laughs> readily enjoy, man. Just appreciate you sharing your time.
2: Oh,
4: thanks for having me, guys. Keep it up. I like the podcast, for sure. Appreciate it, it man.
2: Thanks, all right, guys. guys. Take Peace. care. Peace. Peace. Peace.
0: Dad Bob Rap Pod, that was our interview with Jake. One cool ass cat. I kind of oh, felt cool. like we were just having beers. Like 100%. Yeah. I, I, I can sort of see why all these rap
2: dudes just want to kick it with him and, yeah. you know, listen to his beats. I mean, it's just so affable and cool and is never that dude who tries too hard. You know what I mean? But yet has like a tremendous fucking resume. So it was really good to have him on. And he just felt like one of us, you know, just cracking jokes. But also, dude worked with, like, Dr. Dre and, you know, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Dude, MF Doom. And, yeah, man, it was really cool. Yeah, we, we
0: appreciate him coming on the program. Um, another dope interview. My challenge for us as a crew, and maybe it's just my challenge, but <laughs> we should have in our at-the-ready an elevator pitch of the people we have interviewed on this program. I was fortunate enough to stop by um, a hip-hop a rap workshop hosted by Ad2 and, and Def C, who hopefully we'll have on the program soon, uh, where they listen and critique you know, up and coming rappers. Mm. And Def C lined me up like, oh man, this, this podcast is so amazing. Like they've done all these great interviews. Why don't you tell them about it, Damone? And I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> but we do the arm and hammer. And uh, for some reason, all I can ever think of is Dell. Like, that's immediately that's where my mind goes. But everybody I, under 30 is like, who the, who the fuck is that? Oh, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, so uh, I I resolved after that call to be like, yo, I, I really got to take some time. We've done 124, you know, episodes, 100 plus interviews. I, I should know some of these people's names by now. Dude, it's... And, they, and they've been good. For the yeah.
2: most part, they've been really good interviews. And uh, it's just, uh, I mean, we have... S- it's an embarrassment of riches. We have such a good list now that I'm like, oh yeah, we talked to Easy Moby and Roxanne Shante like a hundred episodes ago, you know?
0: Literally a hundred episodes ago.
2: Um, Good good problem to have.
0: Yes, yes. So uh, let me encourage y'all to go back and uh, check out some of our early episodes. I know we've we've picked up uh, some new fans over the past season or so. I would definitely encourage you to go and check us out. Um, I think we were still funny. I think we're still we're figuring it out, but I think we're still we were lightweight funny in the early episodes.
2: Um, totally, it's hard yeah. to be funny in the t- in these circumstances, but um, you you guys always make me laugh, so thank you for that.
0: Yeah, um, and shout out to to Gary Suarez for uh, defending your honor by the fact we don't let you <laughs> by the fact we don't let you talk. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, that's so hilarious. <laughs> even Gary can see, you know what I'm saying yeah, <laughs> 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 holding back Dave's talent. Oh, um,
2: just kidding. Just kidding, guys.
0: Dad bod rap Pod. you can check us out on all the places that you typically stream things. We are on Google Play. We are on Spotify. We are on SoundCloud. If you would like to help us not be broke forever, check us out on kiki.co.uk, our UK syndication partner. We are also a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, 50-plus music-related podcasts. Um, and we're one of a couple of hip-hop shows on there. Glad to be rocking with them um, You should check us out. I guess by the time this airs we will have already done the questions uh, the questions um, hip-hop trivia IG thing so um, Hopefully if you follow our Twitter at DadBod rap pod, uh, you'll see some stuff about uh, what we did on with questions uh, hip-hop questions podcast IG live Nate is gonna wear an extra medium shirt to represent Beanie Man while he does his. uh, So we will be on there. And um, we're also on IG at at Pod. Perhaps, maybe this this collaboration with questions will get us to figure out how to do shit on IG Live. Um, I don't have high hopes for that, but we'll see. Um, So yeah, that has been episode 124. We thank y'all for fucking with us. Per usual, new episode every Thursday. This is the Dad Bod Wrap.